this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows every week on Thursdays, we release a bonus show to members only on the website. So if that interests you go to the website today, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. And we also have the YouTube channel. I'm encouraging people to subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's the Confessionals YouTube channel. We have some really cool things coming up. We're doing some filming and working on some video projects that will be released on YouTube when they're ready. And please help us get up the subscription base. So go to the Confessionals on YouTube, hit subscribe. It's free and it's enjoyable. And we also have the Discord, which is also in the description of this episode. So if you want to be part of a live chat scenario, all things the Confessionals, go ahead, click that link and join the Discord. Now today we have Dark Waters coming on the show. Dark Waters has been on the show before, but we have never done a show with Dark Waters exclusively. He's always been part of a Think Tank episode. And today we're having Dark Waters to come on the show. And he's going to share some of his own personal experiences from his childhood that got him into this kind of stuff. And then he's also going to be talking about swamp monsters and swamp giants. Awesome interview with Dark Waters today. And it is also an overtime episode. So when you're done listening to this episode, go ahead to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the overtime section, and there's another segment sitting there waiting for your listening pleasure. All you got to do is log into your membership account. It'll be there waiting for you. So with that said, let's get to Dark Waters right now. All right, today we got Dark Waters on the show. Dark Waters, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. How you been, brother? Man, I'm doing good. So uh, you and I have been kind of talking back and forth about coming on the show. And uh, when I was thinking about today, I was thinking, you know, I don't think I've ever had you on the show for a one-on-one conversation. It's always been in a group setting. And I was thinking, ah, after what? Uh Shoot, four years, over 300 episodes. I'm finally getting you on the show for a one-on-one conversation. How about that? I like it. Let's do it. (laughs) And uh, I'm excited to spend a little time with your audience and you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So listen, um, let's start off with... Tell us your deepest, darkest secrets, Dark Waters. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) You don't want to know those. (laughs) <laughs> those are true. incriminating i might get <laughs> you don't want to know those oh that's the truth man that's the truth most people have the dark secrets that no, they don't want anybody knowing uh, but let's get to know dark waters a little bit man i mean listen the first time i ever heard about you um was before i was a podcaster i was 
just driving my truck and listening to Sasquatch Chronicles and there pops Dark Waters telling me about this dog man freaking thing. And I was like, who the heck and what the heck? And oh my gosh. And so <laughs> like, I was like, holy crap, this guy, holy crap. Like I, I just was like, holy crap. <laughs> you know? So you blew me out of the water with that stuff, man. And uh, ever since then, you know, it's just been, you know, a growing familiarity. And it, it, I, I think we, you and I have talked about it on the show before about how we got connected, which was bananas. Uh, and right. Maybe, maybe we can uh, actually, before we get into your, your childhood experience that got you into this stuff, let's just give a refresher on that. Because um, since the last time we talked about it on the show, the show has grown a lot. And there's probably a lot of people that don't know this story. So, um, I, what I'll start it off and you kind of jump in wherever you want. And I'm going to try to do this from memory here. Um, I'm literally, I'm at a place doing a delivery and, uh, I, my phone rings with a phone number I didn't recognize. And so I didn't answer it. And then it rang again. And when I, when I answered it again, it was, it was, uh, I think it was a voicemail, uh, but it was your voicemail talking to me. And it, it was the weirdest thing. I was like, what the heck? And then I get in the truck and you text me. You're like, who is this? I'm like, who is this, bro? Like, I was like, I was like, like, yo, you calling me, man. Like, you want to give me attitude. And then you're like, this is dark waters. I'm like, yo, this is Tony Merkel. And you're like, hold on a second. And you gave me a call. And it turns out it's doing the same thing on your end, right? Yep. It was actually, I don't know how that happened, but it was actually calling your phone was calling my phone while my phone phone was simultaneously calling your phone. It didn't make any sense at all. To this day, it doesn't make any sense. It was one of the weirdest things. But at that point in time, I was living in a house where there was a significant amount of paranormal activity. I mean, a lot of paranormal activity. And not all of it was bad. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was crazy, dude. I forgot about that. And then we ended up talking. We was like, what the hell is going on with this? Yeah, that was wild. Because you were like, listen, we're going to talk tonight. I'm busy right now, but this is crazy. And and what was crazy is that literally, uh, I would say maybe a day or two before that that whole thing happened, I was talking to Wes and I was like, yo, why don't you find uh, Dark Water's number and give it to me? Because I want to connect with that guy and have him on my show. And uh, Wes is like, all right, I'll try fit digging it up because I think it was on like one of his old phones and stuff. And in that time our phones decided to call each other and it's just like, now wait you got to tell everybody that no it doesn't sound weird unless people understand your number was not in my phone yes bro and my number wasn't in your phone that, that was what freaked us out so it wasn't like you were in my contacts that was the crazy thing um and i know i wasn't in your contacts so we didn't know who was contacting us so just so the audience understand we didn't know each other's phone numbers. We didn't have each other's phone numbers saved in our phone. So it wasn't like I butt dialed him or he was smoking a cigarette and reached over and bumped his elbow on the on the dial button on his phone. That was just pure paranormal randomness, high strangeness that went down. Yeah. I, I it it was so crazy and like I I literally kind of forgot that even happened until I started recording and introducing. I'm like, wait a second. That's right. I forgot all about that. Like, that's how we got connected. And it was just so crazy, man. But, you know, we you've been a great friend over the years and just uh, somebody to kind of chat with and vent and all that fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, anyways. Let's get into uh, some of your experiences growing up that kind of got you into these topics and stuff, because like, I, I know I, I don't know a ton about your your professional career, and I know you kind of keep things on a wraps as far as some of that stuff goes, but um, I, I'm pretty sure what you do with the, the stories and everything is not something you were you've been doing for 20 years. Like, so you you had some experiences growing up and then later in life decided to get into some of this stuff, right? Right. Yeah. So um, just to quickly answer your professional career. So I graduated with a degree in electrical engineering, a minor in physics, worked for the Department of Defense, worked for Ericsson Telecommunications, worked for uh, Energy of New Orleans, Design and Power Line. So super high, like, techie background. But anyway, um, like, all my paranormal stuff started off as a kid, but not like, and I consider all of this, supernatural and paranormal because as i've grown i understand it's all in the realm of kind of the woo 
ethereal realm that things that have happened to me, but it really started as a little, little kid, um, in church. And, uh, I remember sitting in the back of the church in, in Mississippi and like the, you know, the ladies who wear the white, the ushers would come over and they would put their hands over me and be like, this boy is going to be powerful. He's going to be a preacher. And I'd be sitting there saying, man, I don't want to be no preacher. And those kind of things started happening. And then as I got older and older and uh, moved throughout life, I've always had like weird things happen, whether it be um, dreams that came true within 24 hours, premonitions, like, okay, don't go into the woods with your friends today because somebody's going to fall and hurt themselves or, um, or even to the extent the worst one being, well, what used to be the worst one being, um, the 11 foot tall shadow creature that came for me when I was 13 years old, 12, going on 13 in Mississippi. Like I've had paranormal encounters. The way I ended up transitioning into kind of sharing other people's encounters was at this point in time, I've come to realize I was kind of called to do this. Like when those older black ladies in church were sitting there saying, yeah, you're going to do great things. You're going to help a lot of people. I didn't know that this was going to be that way because I've tried to stop doing this like a lot, like a whole lot, you know what I'm saying? But I can't. And I think that's part of whatever deal I got with God is I got to help people and talk to them and do a little spiritual work. But when we start talking about me and the paranormal, it's transitioned from just being about like ghosts and demons and dog man and Bigfoot and, uh, it's, it's more for me now. It's an overall understanding is that everything is connected, um, across the board. It's all connected. It's all historical. It's all true, which is kind of my go-to statement right now. When people say, Hey, do you believe in vampires? Yes. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Yes. Because there's a true origin of all these things. And if you dig deep enough and with the intentions of getting to the bottom of it, then you will find the truth. But most people don't really want to find the truth. They just want to be entertained. So that's why we do our stories in an entertaining format. But for me personally, I've had enough experiences to have gotten to the truth. Just recently, one of my experiences that is not really bad, but it's definitely something um, that concerned me. Just last night, I was at Paracon at the New Orleans voodoo temple and murder house where Zach killed Addie. Um, we were doing a ghost hunt with Nick Groff, Groff and out of the blue, I just wanted to sing like, like we we're sitting in a dark room, Tony, and I just want to sing. So I start singing and it's, it was weird. I start singing a song by, uh, by Samuel Jackson. Now listen to this. We're in the murder house and I'm singing this song and it goes, uh, I don't want to curse, but it says life is a highway with uh, mountains mighty high. Uh, which, how did it go? It goes, yeah, life is a highway with mountains mighty high. And when you get to the top, it's steep on the other side. Now, I had not listened to that song for like months. I remember listening to the song. Next thing you know, they click on the lights, and I realize that there's a guitar sitting next to me. Now, understand, the whole time while I'm singing, I'm pretending I'm playing a guitar, right? Then we go in another room. Teddy Bear does some talking. I come and I sit back down in that same room. I sit on the opposite wall, and the next thing you know, I'm having, like, the most vicious, murderous thoughts. Like, and this is completely out of normal for me, like, way beyond anything that I would ever think, you know, like I'll just very violent thoughts. It just so happens. Uh, last year I started training doing close quarters combat. So I keep a blade on me all the time. And so now I'm something saying, Hey, pull that blade and stab him. And I'm like, what? You know, like a voice inside of my head, but there's my voice in there saying, what, what are you talking about? What is wrong with you? We would never do anything like that. So I had to go downstairs and leave. Um, just because of those feelings and sensations. And that's something new for me. That was, and I think that's the very first time that I had something attached to me, um, where it spoke to me, like, 
in my mind, it was saying like, yeah, you got to bleed, pull a bleed and cut him, kill him. And I'm like, the other me is like, yo, what are you talking about? Why would we do something like this? Nah, we're not doing that crap. So, um, paranormal experiences. Now I think it's gotten to a point to where I have a greater understanding of it. When we first started talking, Tony, there was a lot of fear mixed in with it. Um, a lot of naivete, like I was naive. I wasn't really protecting myself. I wasn't doing a lot of the things that I needed to do. And so I kind of graduated the school of hard knocks now and have a greater understanding of it. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when we first started talking and stuff, uh, you kind of, I, if, from what I remember, you were more like, listen, that demon stuff that uh, don't even talk to me about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. Like, and to hear that you kind of did a, a flip on that where you're kind of more open to talking about going Did you ever go on ghost hunts before? Or is this something that's more new for you? Nah, that's new. I only did that because Mary asked me to. That's my girl. Um, I still won't, you won't find me going on ghost hunts, but I will, I won't turn it down if it's something that a friend needs me to do. Like in that case, she needed the support for her event. Um, but it's not so much when I say it's not out of fear, and I'm no longer afraid. You know, of course, we're human beings, so there's fear. But I guess I mean there's a greater understanding and more confidence. To put it in, I guess, the most accurate terms, talking to enough people, experiencing enough evil, has taught me that if the dark is completely and totally real, that the light is 100, 1,000% real, if that makes sense. And so it gives you this, it's given me this level of confidence while I hold conversations with people on topics that I wouldn't normally hold because um, there was a little bit of doubt there. There was a little bit of concern and trepidation. But I mean, I've talked to people, Tony, just recently, just my paranormal encounters. Last year, I went through this phase where um, I was getting phone calls on this cell phone number from different numbers, different people's voices, but they all were holding one continuous conversation with some of the most foul language you've ever heard. So imagine you wake up in the morning, uh, Tony, you go to brush your teeth, right? Your phone is charging by the bed. You hear it ringing. You walk over, pick up the phone. It's a little girl. And when I say little girl, like nine years old, and they say your name. And she's like, hi, can I speak to James Williams? I was like, this is James. God doesn't love you and you're going to die. And I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> God doesn't love you and you're going to die. Click. The phone rings 10 minutes later. It's an elderly black man. Like, you know, like sound like Ryan Isley, elderly black man. Yeah. You know, uh, I was going to tell you that God don't love you. You're going to die. Your eyeballs are going to be poked out. And, and at first I thought it was gang harassment. You know, the electronic harassment yeah. where people kind of just mess with you. So I let it go on for a while. It went on for like, well, two, three days before I really even, I just listened before I really even engaged it. So I prayed, um, sitting out on my porch and smoke cigar, read my Bible. So many ashes in my Bible is ridiculous. It's not supposed to be an ashtray. It's a book of God, but y'all got to forgive <laughs> me. Um, and then finally a voice says, next time they call, confront them. So phone rings. And this time it's this elderly um, the closest thing I could describe, you knew it was an elderly woman. You knew she was an older white woman. She sound like, um, remember on the golden girls, they had the, they had the one that was kind of real. She was sexy for her age, but she was old. But then there was the, the mother that was there. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Just having a> <laughs> <laughs> she was. I think her name was Blanche. Blanche is kind of sexy for her age, bro. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tap that, bro. But anyway. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, man. Let me take a little while before I warm up, bro. I'm warm now. So, <laughs> but that's, she sounded like the older lady out of, uh, from the Golden Girls. And finally, I say, why are you calling me and what do you want? And she says, oh, so now you've decided to talk to us. And I said, yeah, I'm going to talk to you. And I said, I'm going to command you to stop calling me, but I want to know what you want before I get rid of you. I want you to die. 
and I want you to know you're going to die. I'm like, of course I'm going to die. Everybody dies, right? And no, you're going to die soon. So no, I'm not. I have a promise from God that I'm going to be alive. I know how long I live and I know what I need to do. So why are you harassing me? You're going to die. And I'm like, whatever. Look, in the name of Jesus, don't call this phone ever again. Phone hangs up. Never got that phone call again. Never once. I mean, no weird, crazy phone calls. Now, pause, rewind. Let's go back. It took a long time for me to pick figure this out. So I'm sharing some of these revelations with you guys. Why that happened? If you go back uh, about two months before that started, there was this young lady who calls me and um, she says, Hey, dog waters, you know, I'm a huge fan. I want to just talk to you about some of my paranormal encounters. I tell her, I say, listen, if it's something demonic, I need you to disclose it up front because I need to get off the phone with you. I need to pray. I need to clean things up. You know, for myself, so nothing kind of attaches to me. And for those of you listening who don't know how that works, um, if you're talking to someone who's demonized or has a spirit on them, and you haven't repented, literally, be like, "Yo, God, I'm sorry, I did X, Y, Z," and cleansed yourself of your sins. It makes it easier for them to attach to you because they know what your what your tendencies are, what your tastes are for sin, right? So she tells me it's not demonic. I shouldn't have believed. I should have just got off the phone with her. And anyway, we start talking, and halfway through the conversation, she goes into um, how at her mom's house, when she visits, every time um, there's this mist that comes out of the wall, like the corner of the bedroom. And I'm like, okay. When you say mist, are we talking about a black mist? Are we talking about like a smoky white mist? Are we talking like exhaust from your car? You got to do a better job of describing it because everything is significant. And so she describes it as a black mist with white streaks and it forms a face. And I'm like, okay, this is getting more and more demonic. And I let her go through the entire story of how it comes out of the wall and how she's the only person that can see it. A mom doesn't see it, but a mom's behavior changes and all the telltale signs of it being something malevolent or something, I don't know. I mean, it's energy, but something that's not good, right? And then finally, we ended up getting off the phone. And days afterwards, or months afterwards, that's what ended up happening. I started getting these phone calls. What I learned from that and what anybody should learn from that, and I want to circle back to the most important part is your spiritual work of cleansing yourself and cleaning yourself is not like taking a bath. It's really trying to make sure that your soul stays strong and firm. Um, and I tell people all the time, like your soul is imagine like a, a, a Mason jar and inside that Mason jar is this ball of energetic light. And when you come in contact with something negative or you come in contact with something benevolent, it's try. it's like an octopus that's, smart enough to open the jar. It's unscrewing the top. It's sticking its tentacles in. It's, it's trying to make a home. And if you don't clean that out daily, weekly, monthly, it's going to change you and it's going to have these negative effects on you to the point to where your personality changes, the way you behave changes, um, the way you interact with family members changes. Um, and I've been through all that. And that's why I'm disclosing this and telling people this, because I think I could tell you stories to scare you, but before I get into that, I think I should tell you if, based on what I, I say next, if some of this stuff starts to happen, you'll know what to do. All right. So, Tony, I'm going to go into some of the, maybe we, we want to do some demonic stuff. What you want to do? You want to do dog, man? You want to do Bigfoot? No, let's go. I mean, we're already going down the, the uh, spooky demonic stuff. So let's just keep it rolling and stuff and see where we take us tonight. All right. Well, let's go to one of the more recent ones that I found completely terrifying, but we know it's a hundred percent demonic. Now everybody's heard about black eye kids, right? Um, black eye kids is something that's real common in the genre or of paranormal. Like people talk about it. Well, I get a phone call from a gentleman works downtown in, uh, Houston. Um, and he's on his way home from work. Now, normally, the bus that he takes uh, hits the bus stop at about 9 p.m. So he gets there early, sits at the bus stop, waiting on his bus. The bus doesn't come. 
and he decides, well, he's going to walk back across the street real quick, go inside, use the bathroom, come back. By the time he comes back, that bus is gone. So now he's got to walk 11 blocks to his house, right? And as he's telling me the story, he's reminding me of something. I want to remind you guys of something. This happened during a time of COVID. And as you guys are aware, like the streets weren't as busy as they used to be. Like nothing was busy like it was during a time when, you know, the pandemic was at its full height, right? Like it was literally like people were locked in the house. They were scared. You know, they were freaking hiding under the pillows, under the covers, like they were two years old. So the normal downtown Houston and those normal streets weren't, it wasn't like it was supposed to be. So now he's got to walk 11 blocks home and he starts walking. Well, as he's walking, there's a few little small restaurants open and, but nowhere near the traffic that either vehicle traffic nor foot traffic there would normally be. And as he's walking, he notices these teenagers are following him, like not right up on him, but, you know, 20, 25 yards behind him. And as he's walking, he glances over his shoulder, checks, they're there. Gets another block, glances over his shoulder, shoulder checks, they're still there. And then the freakiest weird thing happens to him. He glances back, and the way he described it to me was, he said, James, I glanced over my shoulder, and it was almost as if this man, this young man, glid, like he slid from the point he was, where he was, to right in front of me. And I'm like, dude, what do you mean slid? He's like, he hovered, like he moved so quick. I had never seen anybody close distance that fast. And when he closed distance on him and got right in front of him, started asking for a cigarette. Hey, I know you smoke. Give me a cigarette. He's like, nah, I don't have a cigarette. He's like, you have them in your pocket. Give me one of the cigarettes. They're standing there talking. And the way he described it was as this conversation is going on about the cigarette, time around them starts to speed up. Meaning, Tony, if you and I are standing there talking on a corner, street corner, right? The cars would be moving past us at normal pace. Um, anybody who else is walking around will be moving at normal pace. Well, everyone else around them started to speed up everything. The little uh, Uber cars that were driving sped up. The few people that were kind of walking on the streets, they started to speed up at this rapid pace. Like he was found himself inside of this isolation, little isolated little area where time was passing at an abnormal speed. And it scared the hell out of him. So the guys are now looking at him, staring him into his eyes. And he said, as he first started talking, his eyes were normal. Then his eyes flashed and started to turn red. Like they flashed white. And then it was almost as if blood started to fill inside of his eyeballs. And they turned this blood red, like complete red freaking eyeballs. So now he's afraid. The guy's telling him, give him a cigarette, and you, there's nothing you can do. You can't leave. And the other two that was with him have now closed in on him behind him. So he's standing there, scared out of his mind. And I said, bro, when you were feeling, when you were around these people, what was the feeling like? I'm trying to assess, you know, how much truth is in the statement. Because I've heard about red-eyed kids before, and red-eyed people, I just never really talk about them and the signs that are every other time I talk to someone about this they've said well you know I felt like my life was in danger but more than just my life my soul right so he says those exact words he says I felt as if they were trying to take something from me and the cigarette was symbolic of my soul and I was like well what do you mean symbolic of your soul he said I felt like if I gave him that cigarette I was giving more to him than just that. Like I was giving my will over to him. So he starts to think to himself, God, Jesus, what is this? Could you please help me? What, what's going on? I don't know what to do. Like he's just talking in his mind. And as that conversation is mentally happening, which, you know, it's the beginning of fight or flight syndrome. He's just thinking, God, Jesus, what's going on? I don't, I don't know what to do. The two behind him say, don't you dare say it. Like they knew what was coming next. And they say, don't you dare say it. Don't you say it. We'll kill you. Don't you say it. Well, the next thought that came to his mind was, I'm going to say Jesus and tell him to leave. So as the words are coming out of his mouth, 
And he's, he's not like, oh, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. He's just going to say, like, Jesus Christ, get away from me. As he's saying, Jesus, they literally zoom back into the, imagine a circle. And in that circle, time is moving normal. Outside of that circle, everywhere, everything is moving fast. They zoom back into that area where time is sped up and then speed off. Next thing you know, everything around him is normal. And he's just standing there. Like he's standing there alone. But two hours have passed. Remember, his bus was supposed to pick him up at 9. He started walking about 9.15, 9.30. after to use the bathroom. But now it's 11 o'clock, 11.15. And, he, and he's completely lost time. And now he still has to walk the distance to his house. Well, he ends up getting back home, um, scared out of his mind, lays in the bed, says his prayers. The next day, he tells one of his friends, they go to the church, and he talks to a pastor. And his pastor tells him, that he's been getting since the coronavirus whole scare started. He's been having more and more people have demonic encounters. And he believes this is the pastor. Like this. And we ain't talking about like Steve Quayle or, you know, some, you know, exorcist, you know, super duper um, person that's really an exorcism. This is just a, a regular pastor says, yeah. I've been getting more and more complaints about paranormal activity ever since coronavirus started. And so tonight, I think that's kind of the vein we need to go down because I don't know if everybody really understands spiritually what's going on right now um, in our, in our world, in our dimension on this planet. And what I mean by that simply is you see, you can feel it, you can taste it that something's wrong, something's off. You can see in people's behaviors, the things that are going on, the amount of hate and resentment and anger all over the place. I mean, it's, it's prevalent I mean, all over the world. You can see that something's off and something's wrong. Um, there's this saying, um, as above, so below. And I have this young man who I know to be 100% I mean, psychic, Tony. I mean, this kid, like, psychic, prophet, it's kind of hard to quantify what he is able to do. But if I was to put you on the phone with him right now and say, hey, tell Tony what's going to happen on Saturday, he'll sit here and tell you what you're going to do Saturday. You don't even know what the hell you're going to do Saturday, right? Well, he and I were talking. This is in January. And slow me down and stop me if you need, if you need to to pause no, me but no you're, you're good man i'm just i'm thinking to myself what am i doing sorry probably interviewing people but other than that, I have no idea. <laughs> that's a good thing you just got to stay busy yeah and this kid tells me um first of all the first time we talked nobody knew my name this is way before people really knew anything kid knew my name he knew the street number to the house i grew up in he knew my childhood nemesis's name like yeah, I used to get into this kid that they call, you get in fights with this kid they call Barry all the time. That was the kid's last name. And he was like, he told me all kinds of stuff. No way he can know, right? Just to quantify what this kid is capable of. Well, he and I are talking about the environment that we're living in right now. Um, the environment of the coronavirus, the environment of violence spinning out of control and Satanism on TV and all this other stuff. And the one thing he said that stuck out to me and that I would love to share with people is he said, there's a war going on and it's spilling out of heaven and it's spilled down onto earth. And you're going to see the wars here on this planet because there's a war going on, a great war. And it's our decision as human beings, because we have free will to decide what side of the battle we're going to be on. And it's not scary because that's not the right word. Frightening is not even a word I'm looking for. It's one of those situations where, you know, based on all empirical evidence, you know, based on everything that you're seeing around you, that what this kid is saying is true. Like, there's no doubt about what he's saying is true. And then he told me, 
um, something that was a little bit frightening. He's like, you chose to be on the side of good a long time ago. And there's going to be a price for being on the side of good. He's like, but you'll be fine, but you're going to pay the price. I'm like, well, why don't you tell me what the price is? He's like, nah, I don't think you should know that, but you're going to pay a price. I'm like, well, thanks for scaring me. I'm going to call you back, dude. Get off my phone. You know, that, I, didn't, I didn't really need all that. <laughs> I I'm in, I kind of understand what he's saying. I'm in the same kind of shoes as you in the sense where uh, I've, I've picked my side a long time ago and I'm at peace with it. And I'm just like, bring it, baby. Like, listen, like I, I'm not I'm not here playing games with this stuff. I mean, like, yeah, there's a war going on. And it's spilling over and I'm not, I'm all ramped up for this. Like this, I feel like this is what I've been made for. Like I'm ready to freaking rock when it comes to this stuff. Like I understand my final destination. I understand I got to literally walk through hell on the way there. I've come to peace with that. And I think that's the biggest stumbling block for so many people in this world is that they, they understand where they want to be, but they are not ready to commit to the process that it takes to walk in that direction because you're going to be fought the entire time. And, uh, listen, dude, I, I freaking, I dig it. I freaking dig it. Like, uh, it's, there is a war going on for your soul right now. And, and like, I'm just not playing games with it anymore. Like I, I I don't, I I just, I don't care to placate for people's feelings or their thoughts and emotions. Like there is some serious stuff going on and we've seen it spill out into the real world over the last year. And I I don't know how you can deny that this world is off right now. Like it's just not normal. Nope. There's nothing normal about it. Um, when you go into like cryptid encounters, right? Just spin real quick. Y'all just ride with me in the car. I'm going to take you guys on a, a spin around a block. Shotgun. We just talk about demonic stuff, right? Just hop in the car with me. Let's go talk about cryptid encounters. There are people seeing cryptids that I have never, ever heard of. Talk to me. So down in uh, Pierre Par, Louisiana. And Pierre Par was made extremely popular because of that freaking alligator show. Where he'd be like, chew them, chew them. Uh, what's that? Swamp people, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if y'all ever saw that. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like, it's Troy Landry Gator. You're not going to get one of Troy Landry Gators. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have an accent like that. Why don't you talk like that, bro? <laughs> so, uh, if I talked about New Orleans accent, I would sound Jamaican. You guys would understand anything I said. Please don't. But uh, <laughs> you wouldn't understand a word coming out of my mouth. But that area was made popular because of not popular, but I mean, it was put on the map from a national, international standpoint because of Troy Langer. Well, I've been talking to a whole slew of Native Americans and part Native Americans, Cajuns, and all kind of people just down in the swamps lately because I've been wanting to find out about the myths of there still being living giants in the swamps of Louisiana, which turns out when four or five people tell you they saw a giant in a the swamp, then there's probably a giant in the swamp. What? But nonetheless, during those conversations, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, bro, I'm telling you, I'm trying to get the juices flowing. Oh, but anyway, man. during those conversations, you know, I'm just talking about talking to them about, you know, what happens when the sun goes down in a swamp. Like, if you're stranded in the swamp, what do you do? Not trying to really get to a whole bunch of paranormal stuff, just, you know, I'm feeling like the world might come to you, and I might need to go down to the swamp and shoot me one of them gators and give me some food and catch some catfish. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, if it gets dark, you're in a swamp, what you're supposed to do. So my partner I'm talking to is like, okay, you know, definitely you want to get off the water. You're going to need to get you a big fire. You need to do blah, 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 blah. And then he says, the one thing you really need to be careful for is this thing that we call um, the Black Spider-Man. And I'm like, Black Spider-Man? He's like, yeah, Black Spider-Man. I'm like, dude, I've never heard of anything like that. He's like, well, it's a upright walking man with um, spider legs that come from behind his back. And I'm like, nah, nah get the hell out of here. I don't heard a lot of stuff. Like, I, I've never heard of that. I was like, that sounds like some Venom 
off the movies or, you know, some kind of crazy foolishness. Right. And he says, no, I'm serious. Like he's kind of getting offended. Like I'm like, I'm playing with, I'm like, no dude, that can't be real. He's like, you're so hold on. You trying to tell me you dog water, you believe in werewolves, giant snakes, giants, fallen angels. And you trying to tell me that there cannot be something that's humanoid. That's half spider, half man. I said, I've never heard of it. It wouldn't make sense. I said, why would it be in the swamps of Louisiana? Clicks over, like, not click like old school where you put the butt, but puts his partner on three-way on the cell phone. His friend that does uh, shrimping with him in the swamps. Anyway, they're in the swamps doing shrimping the old school way. You hang lamps and lights on the front of your boat and run your nets that way because the shrimp come to the lights, right? They're out in the swamps doing that exact same thing at night, trying to catch some shrimp. And they start to hear something on the banks. They're about 40 yards away from the banks. Decide to take those high beam lights that they have that shine into the water to illuminate and get the shrimp and turn them up and over into the swamps. And they see this humanoid figure. It's jet black. On two legs, human humanoid legs, not like spider legs, with a normal humanoid chest. The way he described it was thousands of eyes on his head and spider legs that came out of his back. And I'm like, dog, what do you do when you see something like that? He's like, what the hell do you think we did? We turned the boat on and we got the hell out of there because we, we know these things existed in our swamps but they don't come out. And that's the overall, like the, the repetitive phrase that I'm hearing in all these places, things that people know exist, things that they were talked told about as children, you know, like we're all talking about, told about the boogeyman, those kind of things are coming out and they're starting to show themselves, which to me, that's, that's another sign of the times that we're in. Because honestly, I had never, I've grown up in Louisiana, I've heard of Rougarou, I've heard of Lucarou, I've heard of Dogman, I've heard of um, the giant catfish. I mean, I've heard about the UFO. I've never, ever heard of that. And he called it the Black Spider-Man. And I was like, dude, I have never heard of anything like that. So I think we're in the phase, we're in the time period where... Things are being either let loose or unleashed, or people are able to see things that they wouldn't normally see, or things are showing themselves that wouldn't normally show themselves. Nonetheless, no matter how you look at it, we're in a very special time. It's an exciting time to be alive, but if you're not aware and awake and in the moment and present, things will get bad for you real quick. Yeah. Man, listen, what you just said about it being an exciting time to be alive is the exact sentiments I've been relaying to people because, you know, people like you, like talk to a lot of people and people ask me, you know, what are you thinking? Like, you know, what's going on with the world? I'm like, listen, separate yourself from the fear and anxiety that you have right now about your future. Separate yourself from that and just observe what's happening around you. Like, this is an amazing time to be alive. Like if, if you survive, you know, and you get wherever this goes, if you say you live 20 years into the future, you're going to have some fascinating stories to share with people because of you live through the process of getting to the, wherever we're going. It's, it's such an amazing time. Now you mentioned about this black spider man and th- this idea that all these creatures are starting to pop up. What do you think about that? I mean, are we talking about things that are being unleashed from the gates of hell? Are, are these things that, are, that maybe live in inner earth and now are coming to the surface for God knows what reason? Maybe they, they like the taste of Corona. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know where they're coming from. Honestly, I don't. I, I, I've tried to formulate a strong um, idea, but I, I just can't figure out what's going on. And what I mean by that simply is this. I know that the people I'm talking to are telling the truth. Um, so I know they're not lying. I have a, I have a system in place to guarantee that you cannot lie to me. So I know you the people aren't lying. Um, 
just kind of narrowing down while I'm talking to you. So I know they're not lying. I know what my Bible tells me is going to happen in the end times where there's going to be very horrific things released on this planet. And some of those things, are, I mean, anyway, if you read it, you know those things, right? So I know what my Bible tells me is going to happen. And I know that there are more and more phone calls coming in with strange and weird encounters, whether it be, you know, freaking things that look like Wendy goes in people's bedrooms in the middle of Brooklyn, stuff that just don't make sense is happening, right? So I, I kind of got to lean towards the whole gates of hell being open situation because there's no there's no other play manual for what's going on. Like, I had this conversation with my son because he was spazzing out because he was paying attention to everything going on. He's like, man, I'm reading the book of Revelations, Dad, and I think the this is coming true. And I'm like, yeah, it looks like it's coming true, bro. I don't know what to tell you. You know, we just get right with God and keep it moving. But there's no other play manual. There's no other book written that chronologically goes through everything and just lays out what's going to happen. And then you can go back and see all of it happening. So I have to lean towards that it's the gates of hell opening up. I mean, honestly, I have to. I don't want to. Part of me wants to be like, you know, let's just sweep this under the rug. You know, these people tripping, but I know they're not lying. And that's the dilemma that I have when I talk to these people is while I'm questioning you, I'm hammering you. Boom. You don't even know you're getting hammered. I'm looping and spinning and twisting and injecting and doing all kinds of little mental gymnastic techniques to figure out if you're lying. And then once we get to the truth and I'm certain it's the truth. I'm left to be confronted by that truth itself and then the greater truths that go along with it. So if, for example, in Fort Pierce, if you saw dog man get captured on a video screen, literally running across the screen under a freaking lamp light, which we caught that on video, right? You see dog man running wide out in the open. That's another thing that's showing itself. And you, and you can't deny it. You know, it, it's crazy. It's just like that camera project that we have, Dogman Cams, right? We've caught a gigantic Bigfoot head. We've caught some kind of freaking skinny wolf-like creature standing next to a tree. Scary as hell. We've caught all these different things on camera. And I'm getting phone calls from other people said, hey, I want a camera here because we have, you know, this giant snake. I had another lady call and said she believes she has a Wendigo. And... and I don't 100% know what to make of it, but I got to lean towards the gates of hell opening. It's, it's enough data points coming in to where you can't just sweep it under the rug. You know, that's the thing that bothers me. But at the same time, you know, I, I keep it all in perspective and say, hey, you know what? This is what's supposed to happen. This is what they was going to happen. And therefore, that means I should be fine because I did what I was supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? But. It's yeah. definitely some some interesting times we're in. Oh, definitely interesting times. Um, and you know, I feel like every time I start thinking along these lines and talking to people, and these topics come up, and these like bizarre creatures popping up all over the place recently, uh, the idea of CERN always pops in my head. And I, I I don't know a ton about CERN. I know the the guy who you know at least that I know personally that knows the most about it is, uh, is, um, Gary Wayne. And I have, I've had him on the show a few times, but like, what, what are your thoughts about CERN and everything? Do you think CERN could have possibly been working on, uh, opening up dimensions and portals and things actually? Cause that's what I've heard. I've, I, and I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that, you know, CERN doing the, their search for the God particle, they, whether they did it on purpose or not, they opened up portals into other parallel universes and things came through this side. And, uh, what do you think about that stuff? Well, I figure, um, I'm not, first of all, let me say this. I haven't studied everything that, um, as it pertains to CERN, I do recall if I'm not mistaken, the ritual that they had before they opened it. Um, yeah. With Vishnu and, um, yeah, yeah that's the, the ritual with all the people dancing. So when I saw that ritual, that didn't seem real freaking scientific to me, bro. 
It seemed way more yeah. cultish yep. than scientific. So but only going with the evidence in front of me, not, I haven't been to the lab. I'm, I haven't been down in wherever they slam the particles together. I haven't seen any of that. So I can only go with what my eyes have seen and my ears have heard. Based on what I saw during that ritual that had this, that place has absolutely nothing to do with, um, with energy. It's all about opening portals to another world and letting old world creatures in. So I'm absolutely certain they've probably done something to talk to mention. I'm absolutely certain that something to mention. Now, does that mean that these are the same things that people are seeing? I don't know. It's a possibility, uh, possibility that they're connected. Yes, they, they could be connected, but, you know, I can't say for certain. What I can say for certain is this, though. Something significant is going on as it pertains to the paranormal, because even, let's just go, I don't know, let's go back two years ago, right? We would have been considered uh, the crazy? kooks, the crazies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, there are people who are coming to us for answers, right? So, the whole thing has shifted for, from, oh, I'm a normie, you know, I play on my cell phone, I have my little dog, you know, I get my soy latte, and I stand in a long line at Starbucks and pay $12 for coffee, to holy crap, what's going on? Did you see that? Did you see that UFO video? <laughs> Did you see the article by the Navy who said they can change reality? Holy crap! So, uh, and I said this a long time ago on one of the big talk shows. I said we've been put here for a reason because we're ahead of everybody else. And when you're ahead of everybody else in understanding and knowledge, you seem crazy. Like you literally seem crazy. But you're not. You're just sitting there waiting for them to catch up to you, waiting for them to catch up to the reality that you already know exists. So I think we're seeing the masses of people catch up to the true reality to which we've already and always always have known exists. And that's going to be something kind of horrific for a lot of those people, but they need to go through it. You know, they, they need to wake up. They need to see the world for what it is. Um, it's not all sunshine and roses. It's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on out here. Oh, for 100%. 100%. I'm looking at the time clock here, man, and it's just, dude, it's ticking. By. It went, this time went by so fast. Can you stay for, like, a, another segment? Yeah, I can stay. I, I would love to just get me my cigar, man, because I feel like I'm almost, I'm at 80%. I want to go Super <laughs> Saiyan for you tonight. Okay. I cannot go Super Saiyan without my cigar, bro. So yeah. if you give me one minute to run and get one, I'm telling you, I'm going to go Super Saiyan, but I, I can't do it without it because I don't know. It's a, I don't know. What do you call it? It's an anchor for me when it comes to telling stories. I created that anchor, you know, out drinking with friends over the years, telling stories and, and really, um, hitting on hot women. And that's how that <laughs> happened. I got you, man. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, hey, everybody's got their vices, right? So, uh, listen, for the audience, we're going to do a whole overtime segment that's going to be put on the website. But uh, um, before we end this segment, uh, DW, I want you to fill in the blanks before you get out of here for this first segment, because, dude, you mentioned about giants in the swamp in Louisiana. That was the first for me. I, I need to know more about that. So whenever you get your cigar, man, I want to hear about this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll go into it. There's a bayou. I'll call it Hoodoo Bayou. So, and I've learned a long time ago, if you tell people exactly where things are, they're crazy enough to go there. But um, there's a bayou that's extremely hard to get to. Like, you literally have to um, go in an airboat five miles across land and get into this area. And it was known to be an area where um, some of the Native American tribes were staying. Just recently, we had those floods down here, and it opened up that area for people to get back up in there. Well, let me tell you how, first of all, I end up meeting this specific group of Native Americans. Um, I have a camera project called Dogman Cams. I'm out in Bayou Sauvage, which is in New Orleans East, placing a camera. I go to check on the camera, end up encountering this gentleman who is one of the only people who lives 
on Bayou Savage at this point in time. Used to be hundreds of people. He's the only person that lives there. I lied to him because I didn't want him to know what I was doing with the cameras. I tell him I got like a degree in, um, in some freaking crap from LSU and just telling him I'm doing a, a student project, right? He sniffed that out real quick. Pretty much tells me I'm lying, but doesn't call me a liar. And he and I end up talking, right? So we go into um, what's going on in that area, how there were Native American burial grounds in the swamps. And I tell him, I finally come clean and tell him who I really am. He starts hipping me to all this knowledge about just Louisiana swamps in general and how not only are there Native American burial grounds, but there are giants buried in the swamps. And so he pointed it out to me and all. He said, look, look over there. Look at this patch of trees. Which one is higher than the other one? He's like, look at the landscape. And I look and you can see there's these trees that are way up in the air compared to the other ones. He's like, those are the burial grounds. So we switch numbers. He gives me a ride back to my car because he knows what's out. He knows Dogman is out in that bayou. And we end up talking. So now we're talking about, you know, just black culture in New Orleans that has to do with the mixture of black and Native American culture. And he says, well, look, I know some people that can really tell you the old school stories and some people can tell you some of the things that are going on right now. So fast forward, that's how I ended up meeting the rest of these gentlemen who are telling me about these giants in the swamps. Let's, let's call it Hoodoo Bayou. And for the record, it's not Voodoo Bayou. So don't go to Voodoo Bayou bothering those people. But this particular area is so hard to reach because if you don't have an airboat, you can't get back there. Like in normal times when it's not flooded, you have to ride four or five miles on an airboat, then go through some canals, then another half mile, and then you're into this, this area. So it's kind of the sanctuary where nobody goes. Well, when we started having all those storms and all that rain, um, this was last year and we had all those little different hurricanes where we had three freaking hurricanes hit Louisiana in the same spot, which is statistically impossible, but I'm not going to go into what that was about. But anyway, it starts to flood and people start going into areas to fish and to hunt that they hadn't, hadn't been into in a long time. Well, they get back into this bayou and the very first thing they encounter are trees that are taken up from out of the ground and like uprooted out of the ground and stacked in excess. Like, so if you're on an airboat, imagine you're on your airboat and you're riding and then you see trees that look like down trees, but they're stacked in excess. Like, like don't come past this point. Well, they just want to get out the boat and go check around and see. So they hop off the boat, start walking around just to look and see what they can find. And next thing you know, they hear this thundering, like, um, the way he described to me, he was like, dude, the ground was thundering. I'm like, well, what do you mean the ground? Is He's like, the ground was thundering. Like it was rumbling. Turns out that was the sound of the footsteps running towards them. That's how, how it, how loud it was like water literally shaking in the bayou off land as this thing is moving towards them. And I say, bro, look, I need to pause and rewind the story. And I need to tell me a couple of things because, again, there are certain things I believe to be true. I know that there are giants on this planet now. I've never known there to be giants in Louisiana. I don't put it past. I don't put it past people when they tell me stories. But I have to have. I tell them, look, Ram, rewind the story. Explain to me what made you think you should get off the boat and cross these X's. Because if I'm on an airboat and I get to an area that nobody really goes to, and I see there's giant, you know, trees placed in X's, I'm, the first thing I'm going to say is, well. Something put these here, and I don't need to be going back there, right? He says, well, you don't get an opportunity to go into this area, and when you get an opportunity, you should go and see. So literally, it's just inquiring minds wanting to know what was there. So now, they're on the other side of these gigantic X's that are made of trees, pretty much cypress trees, and they're on the opposite side of that. Their boat's on the other side, and now the ground is shaking to the point to where you can see the water shaking. And they hear this sound coming towards them. And he says, man, look, we need to go. So now they're scrambling back over the trees, into the boat, getting back out into the water. And the one thing that they saw, 
and it's not a lot, but the one thing that they saw was a half of a face through the top of the trees. They saw a eyebrow. They saw an eye. They saw the 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 side of the nose, the side of the lips, the chin. So if you just took their, a human face and cut it in half and then had that entire face up in the trees, 40 feet in the air, looking down at you, but kind of disguising itself, trying to hide in the trees, is what they saw. Get back in the boat, haul behind out of there, get back and start telling their family members what happened, right? So families start to a whole conversation about what happened, how it went down, where it was, and then they even learn more information about that bayou. More background history is that bayou not only was a place where Native Americans were, but the bayou was a place where an uh, ex-female slave who had been uh, high-practicing um, voodoo, not voodoo, voodoo, the real Haitian voodoo, um, the real, real deal, the powerful voodoo practitioner fled into those same swamps in order to get away from the slave master who was trying to rape and kill her. So not only was it Native Americans in the area, not only were there still is there, there's still giants in the area, but it was an area where this extremely powerful voodoo magic was practiced. So that area of the swamps is, is tainted nonetheless. And it makes sense that it's tainted. It makes sense that it's an area that nobody wants to go to. And it's an area that geographically it's, damn near impossible to get to because I believe that area is protected not only by the Native American spirits, but I believe it's protected by that magic and whatever that giant thing was that was there. And this wasn't, I, I specifically said, Hey guys, are we talking about a, just a big Bigfoot here? I was like, was it Harry's like, no, 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 this looked like a man, like a man face, not no Bigfoot face with, you know, furry hair. It was like a man's face. And that's what's going on down here. That's bananas, man. That's bananas. Like, so this area, it, so from what I'm understanding here, this area before these storms hit the area was pretty, pretty much a no-go zone. You couldn't even access it if you wanted to. And because the storms came through, people could kind of venture into it for the first time in a really long time. And they started finding things in there that they didn't know existed yet. Exactly. And to, to make sure you understand it's kind of hard to explain to people if you've never really been in a swamp. It's hard to explain to someone why an area will be inaccessible. But because most people look at swamps and they see them as just like water with trees. But you don't understand there's dry land areas and then there's many bayous and then there's ditches and then there's it's it's and you deal with gigantic tree logs and tree stumps and all kind of things that make it to where you cannot access these areas. So. Yes, it was an area that nobody could get access to, but as the waters rose and it flooded, people could get back up in there. And um, and they went there, and that's exactly what they saw. That's crazy, man. Listen, uh, th- I said to you earlier uh, when we were talking that there are so many things we're going to get into. Like, like, who knows where this conversation is going to lead in the overtime, but I can tell you one thing. I'm going to wind up going off on something. <laughs> so, uh, I already know. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, for, the, for the audience to know, like you and I have over the years talked on the phone and it seems like every time we talk on the phone, we want to just talk for like hours and we just <laughs> and we just go back and forth. And uh, dude, like you, you have the gift of gab and so do I. And we're just going to go at it in this second hour here for the overtime. Uh, so people who are listening, if you want and you're a member, just log into the website and it's already there in the overtime segment. If you want to hear this and you're not a member, just join the website and you'll be good to go. Just hit the overtime segment. We'll be sitting there waiting for you. Before we get out of here, Dark Waters, man, promote stuff, man. Where can people find you? You mentioned about Dogman Cams. Inform people what that is. I know you and I talked about it before, but let people know exactly what that is because I think it's an awesome project, man. So you can find me at IamDarkWaters.com. Don't go looking for me on Facebook because I don't mess with Facebook anymore. Not on Twitter. I don't do uh, anyway. We're going to save that for later. But IamDarkWaters.com is where you can find me. Um, The project I recently launched is called DogmanCamps.com. That started with um, down in Fort Pierce where he actually caught evidence of Dogman running across the screen. So he and I did a deal to put a camera at his location. That's a live camera that you can look at. 
I put cameras in Taylor, Mississippi, which are live. I have cameras in Virginia and what's really called Baby Doll Hollow, where there's a lot of dog man activity. Uh, I have a camera that's going up in Area 51 next week. Not in Area 51. Please, God, don't let me say that the wrong way. A camera outside of Area 51 that's going to be pointed up at the sky to look for UFOs. And it's just a project to where um, you get to log in and you look for yourself, you know, because the one asset that I have is I have people who have real locations and real encounters and they're vetted. So I figure why not take advantage of it and capture some real evidence. Um, outside of that, there's Dark Waters Radio, which you can listen to on the Paranormal Radio app. Um, and I forgot everything else. I got all kinds of stuff. But those are the main things you need to check out. Um, and that Dogman Cam has its own YouTube channel as well. Yeah, so everybody, check out that stuff. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. Dark Waters, thanks for joining us on this first segment here. I'm more than happy to be here, brother. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. And remember, this is an overtime show. So if you're a member, go to the website right now, hit the overtime section, and you'll see the whole second hour of this conversation sitting there waiting for you to hit play. So hopefully you enjoy it. Now, until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first, it'll piss you off. Bye him and his older brother were out in the woods and there had always been known that there was a giant moccasin out there and by giant we're talking about the size of like a you know how you go to the pool and you sit out and they have the table with the umbrella and you sit at the table like yeah. the size of the table that that giant not like like that big the size of that table round um so him and his brother out in the woods they go past the cemetery and it goes into this kind of marshy area. And so they're playing around at the edge of the marsh. And it's got the high weeds. And his brother starts saying, um, hey, man, we need to go. We need to go right now. And he's like, well, why? He said, because I see something. And so my dad is the middle brother. Um, he has three brothers, a younger brother, but he's the middle brother. And so the older brother, my Uncle Nick, takes off running. It's like, man, and come on, we need to go. And he stands there and watches this giant snake slither through the marsh and he sees how big this thing is it's so big that as it's moving the the, the reeds and the weeds are kind of laying down as it's as it slithers through and once he realizes in his mind comes to terms with the fact that it's a snake he takes off running right they go home tell my grandfather at his barbershop and uh, you know, he had a little barbershop on the side of the house. It could seat about five people in there, plus the person that was in a the chair. They run back and they tell him, and he says, I done told y'all about going over there in those marshes because there's things over there that'll eat you and we'll never see you again, right? 